Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. You know, I'm feeling a little under the weather today. I know. I'm sorry. No, just in case. I have a coughing attack. You'll have to take over. Let everybody know. (laughs) Okay. I'll take over. But we don't quit. No, sir. Nobody wants that. No. Um, so our 80s flashback this week, again, making us feel old. I'm trying to get 1984 Ooh, flashbacks, 40 years. Year. So four year. years ago this week, Madonna made her North American debut on TV performing Holiday on American Bandstand Ooh, with Dick Clark. Remember that? I do. I remember American Bandstand. I mean, that was like such a uh, cultural element watching all those people dance in there with their headbands, you know, the eighties headbands, like around your forehead and like neon yeah. and yeah. Madonna had the glove, the lace glove and stuff and all the like black bracelets. And that's where we got our fashion from. There was no Instagram. No, that's right. Madonna was the influencer. So, so this must've been, it, it was before like a virgin was released. Cause that was 84. Yeah. So this was holiday. I think that was That's her first album. First That's album. Her very first album, which is actually a good album. Really good. Every song on that was gr- a great song. It's one yes. of those albums that you can listen to from the start to the finish. Um, definitely a good album. And I think the like a virgin virgin was sec was the second on the second album. I'm not a Madonna expert. I think it came out later that year. It came out in 84, didn't it? I believe it did. No, I don't. I don't even. It all blurs together now. (laughs) It's so sad. I'm just going to blame mine on my sickness that I don't know, but I'm going to Google it. And then remember, he was like, well, what do you want to do with your future? She's like, I want to rule the world. That was her answer. She kind of did. But then She she also became a poster child for like bad plastic surgery oh yeah Yeah. years she's had some she's made some unfortunate choices let's just say that yeah she's Um, getting that lion-ish look well it's like puffy right like they people put filler in their face and she she's puffy you know because you you do lose volume as you age so you can get a little filler but she looks like a balloon yeah it's it's sad. Well, she's, what, 65? Yeah. And it was 1984, so that's good. I, I, I'm not dying of uh, of my flu you, cold. You haven't totally lost your, <laughs> your, your mental facilities. So, all right. Well, that was a good flashback. I feel old. 40 years. 40 years, sister. That's crazy. All right. Okay. So- the what, news of the week. We've got, Go we got right to start ahead. off talking about the hot, the big story this week, which was the Iowa caucuses, yes. which I didn't pay any attention to because I know you didn't kind of already know who was going to win it. Um, but we didn't know who's coming in second or third. And I have to say, I'm very suspicious. Like, I don't like Nikki Haley. Full stop. Like, do not like her. No. Um, but I didn't think she was going to come in second because it was so obvious that there was like a concerted push to get that narrative out there that all of a sudden Nikki Haley's surging and she's going to come in second. I just never thought that was legit. So, um, she's, this, you know, the establishment candidate. She's backed by the, the DC establishment, not just the Republicans, Bill Crystal, who is a Democrat yes, now, but always- her. Always was. He was supporting her and also was urging Democrats to cross over and vote for Nikki Haley. And interesting, just an aside about the internals of Iowa polling, Nikki Haley's support is was so weak because of that. Like you you can look at the top line numbers and say, well, she's close to DeSantis. But really, you know, when you look at Trump and you ask you know, how enthusiastic are you to vote for Trump? There's a lot of enthusiasm. Those people are very excited to vote for Trump. You just did not see anything like a fraction of it was Nikki Haley's support. We're excited to vote for Nikki Haley because 
they're not even Republicans. So I just uh, smelled right away that there was some PR effort to like make people think Nikki Haley was was surging um, when she wasn't surging. And so whatever. I just don't like her. I hope she's not on. I hope Trump doesn't but put she, her on the ticket. She's in second place in New Hampshire, in New Hampshire. next week. Right. Right. It's right. next Tuesday, correct? Yes. So she is in second place in New Hampshire, which, you know, that's the thing to remember about these caucuses. Um, the media, depending on who's ahead, uh, likes to frame it as if it's some example or illustrative of uh, of other other places, other states or even the feeling of the country. And the fact is, Iowa is not America, just like New Hampshire is not America, just like South Carolina right. is not America. These right. are different states. They have different characters. New Hampshire is, has never been a right right wing state the way Iowa has become. So the fact that Nikki Haley is the second is is way ahead of DeSantis is not at all surprising. You know, they're that's rhino country. It's Sununu country. So exactly. that makes sense. That's who is represents the New Hampshire Republican is the, is Nikki Haley ish. Now, the fact that Trump is still beating her is also important. You know, to know that you still can't touch that Trump sort of America first um policies and campaign. So you know, she's going to come in second. Who cares? She's not going to beat Trump in her own state. Right. So South Carolina's after that. She's definitely not going to beat, beat him there. Now, I know DeSantis is not going to bother with New Hampshire. He's very behind there. I guess his strategy is to go to try and do what he can in South Carolina. I don't know if that's wise because, you know, Nikki Haley is from South Carolina. She was governor of South Carolina. That's a tough. That's a tough. I, I don't think he can beat her there either. And she'll come in second in South Carolina. The real issue here is will Trump pick Nikki Haley as his running mate? Oh, God, Liz, please. This no. is what I, I, I am concerned about. Um, what Ditto. do you think, Julie? It's a terrifying thought. I mean, he would really um, he would really tick off the base with that choice. I mean, I know the National Review crowd is pushing for that, which right then and there should be very That's scary. Huge red flag. Immediate disqualification. Immediate disqualification. Right. So advice to our listeners, and they already know this, anything that you see the National Review crowd say, think the exact opposite because they are always wrong. Never in doubt, always wrong. Um, I wonder if we could get Andy McCarthy on the record. Then we'd know for certain that it was the wrong. We know for sure. Because then we would know our Dexie's Midnight Runner, one hit wonder, Andy McCarthy at National Review. um, If he were to come out and say that Trump should pick Nikki Haley, then 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 we we would have absolute certainty, 100% guarantee, like the sun rising every day. It would be that level of certainty. Um, So I do... I do worry. I think that's not smart for Trump if he did that, because, first of all, when you pick a candidate for president, you want to also get the state that they're from. You know, that's kind of like part of the strategy. It's not just who I like or whatever. It's supposed to be you're going to get a state. He's going to get South Carolina. So why would you waste? You know what I mean? Why would you waste Nikki Haley? Like, why would you waste that? You don't need to pick up South Carolina. So. Well, I was, I did um, Eric Bowling's show last night with Seb Gorka, and Seb said he knows who the VP choice is. It's a man. Okay. It's not someone that people are talking about, and he thinks that announcement will be made in the next few weeks. I wonder if it's going to be, um, who do you think? Do you have any guesses? I, I mean, after he said that, you know, ben I think Carson. Kind of, Oh. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Really? I'm just throwing it out there. I don't feel there. like I that mean, gets us anywhere, does it? I don't. God. I don't. I don't. Th- it doesn't. And I don't know. I know people really like him, but I mean, come on. No. Well, again, does he have a state to deliver? And and that's that's something important. So but who could it be? I mean, 
honestly, I don't think it would be Vivek. He doesn't no, want no, he does not um, want to be overshadowed by Vivek. You could see that. <laughs> yeah, you could see that the other day. It's like, OK, all right. All right, guy. Get out of here. So I don't. And I love it. I like Vivek a lot. I know people don't trust him, but I like him. Well, he's just um, the problem with Vivek is that he has no, no experience in government. I understand that that to some people is a good thing. <laughs> But what we learned from Trump's first term is that it it can also be a very bad thing, which is that yeah. you need somebody that knows how the government works so that they're able to exploit it the way the Democrats are able to exploit it. And Trump still doesn't know how the government works. And I don't think and Vivek certainly doesn't know how the government works. So I don't think that that would be a good pick for that reason. Again, I'm not talking about the substance of Vivek or what he says or, you know, any of that. I'm just saying you, there has to be a strategy and it can't just be the sort of flamboyant social media, like, look at me, I'm owning the libs type shit. It has to be, you know, who is going to be able to go in there and and fix things. And I don't think I don't think Vivek can do that. I don't, I don't think Trump can do it either, to be honest, but I'll be surprised. I mean, I'm open to being surprised. Maybe you can. So after that, I just don't know who would who he could pick that would keep the cred right the base that the base would like i mean oh you know what maybe it's flynn what if it's flynn what 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 if it's mike flynn oh god would you would you stop i already told you i don't feel well now we've gone from ben hart and i mean they're they're fine men i'm not saying they're not but no no, I kind of liked the um, Elise Stefanik idea. I think she's really come, ar- come around <coughs> and said the right things. Well, I think <clears throat> I'm not sure. All right. So I'll give you I'm going to give you my impression of Elise Stefanik. I I think she's an opportunist, but that's fine because, you know, this is an industry filled with lunatics, psychopaths and reprobates. So, you know, I, I don't I think she's an opportunist, but. I think she also knows where her bread is buttered and she's done a pretty decent job of, you know, planting her flag, you know, like she's, she has walked some of the walk, which is more than a lot of these people who do go and tweet stuff. And then they're giant pussies when it, you know, when the heat gets turned on, you know, they, they, they run, they run away. So I think. I mean, Dan Goldman, what did Dan Goldman, he just tried to, uh, yeah, and imp- whatever. What did he try to do? And sanction her? Impeach sanction her? Sanction or ethics? And what was it? Something because she called them, she called the J6, said J6 hostages. So he is going after her, which, you know, obviously. He's look, that's yeah, a 1% censure. thing to do. That's something like a really rich person like Dan Goldman, who's heir to the Levi Strauss fortune. Yes. Um, and isn't like you or me because he's, you know. A one percenter, or he's not even that. He's like a point oh oh five percenter. Yeah, point oh 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 one. And you know, yeah. he's just such your typical lucky spermer, dumbass, arrogant, ugly, like psychopathic <laughs> child of billionaires. If yeah. you watch that guy, and he'll give like his little Twitter videos, he does not blink. It's like watching Hannibal Lecter talk about what's happening in Congress. It is so creepy. Of course, he's, he's a perfect Democrat. Bad news. He is. He is a, someone. He's a good example of someone who bought their seat. Um, you know, he yes. he bought his seat with family money. He's, you know, again, minimal work experience, uh, legislative experience, anything like that. You know, he's just a silver spoon kid. So he, yeah. So he tried to sanction Elise Stefanik, but I think I think Elise Stefanik that would be interesting. Again, she's not going to deliver New York, but, you know, we're so balkanized right now. I'm not sure that that criteria even is as relevant as it used to be, you know, picking that, um, you know, delivering a state, you know, having the state go for the president because the vice president is from there. Um, You know, there's only literally like five states that matter, as we know, you know, from 2020. That really are the ones that matter. Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, 
Pennsylvania. Did I say Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania. Yes. So, you know, um, and I don't, I can't think of anybody from those states that would be a good running mate. But I hope Trump announces it soon. You know, honestly, this primary, I could not give a shit less about this primary. I don't care. I mean, we already know who's going to win the primary. The real issue is, what are they going to do to stop him from being able to actually run for president and win? And, you know, what's going on? What's the plan for that? Because if you think they're going to let Trump ever be president again, I've got a bridge to sell you. I know I'm not supposed to be Debbie Downer, but I'm blackpilled and I'm hoping to grow out of it. But yeah. Well, I, I mean, know. look, they have they're they have to be worried because of everything they're throwing at Trump. I mean, I don't think that this is a head fake that some people believe that, oh, we did all of this. You know, again, the National Review crowd, you know, look at the polling after he was indicted by Alvin Bragg and then all the indict. Well, yes, he did go up in the polls. Understandably, I mean, because people are seeing this weaponization of the DOJ and the government, not just against Trump, but everyone around him, including his voters. So they have to be a little bit worried. I mean, how are they going to steal it? Yes, they're going to have plenty of ways to try to do it again. But, and I know you and I have talked about this, regardless of who it was, except for Nikki Haley, because of course the never Trumpers, the Ryan, not even, I mean, Bill Crystal's not a Republican anymore. He's a full fledged Democrat. So the the Democrats pretending to be Republicans all want her. But if it's Trump, if it's Ron DeSantis, whoever else it would have been, they're still going to. No, they would do the same thing. No, no. Dirty trick. Yes. Right. I want to say, like, I want to be clear. I'm not saying this is Trump specific. It doesn't matter. Unless it's Nikki Haley, whoever it is would get the same treatment. So I don't I, I think it's Republican and not Trump. Right. Like. It's the Republican will never and a, a real Republican, not a Nikki Haley, will never, you know, will not win. So I do want to clear that up and <clears throat> make that clear. And 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 I don't use that as a reason why we shouldn't nominate Trump, because, like I said, I don't think it it matters. It It's going to be whoever they're going to they're right. going to come for them. But I think one thing that the Democrats learned in 2020 is that they don't even really need to run a candidate. Right. Joe Biden won you know, air quote, he won, allegedly, but Joe Biden didn't campaign like it was it was like a virtual, if even that campaign. And what they learned from that is that you don't even really need to have a campaign to win. They could just switch out the nominee at the last minute. Right. I mean, look, Biden's sure. in a lot of yes, trouble for sure. His yeah, his his you know, job approval is the lowest ever. He's been a disaster and and he's lost a lot of the youth vote because, you know, they want their student loans forgiven and he's not radical enough. And that's something that the Democrats have always depended on recently is getting out the younger, you know, turning out some of the younger kids. Uh, apparently, the Muslims aren't happy with him either. So that's a you know, that's that's going to come into play. And he's losing minority support. Hispanics don't like him and he's losing black support. So he's in a very bad way. I I don't see how they can run him. So they either have to do something to make Trump not able to run or they have to do a bait and switch. Those are those are the options, right? They need to be like, oh, it is Gavin Newsom. We just decided at our convention and do it quickly. I think their convention is in August. So and do it quickly enough so that that new person doesn't necessarily have to campaign as much and everybody can just project all their hopes and dreams onto him the way that they did to Joe Biden in 2020 because he didn't campaign and they didn't really know him that well. I mean, yes, he was Obama's vice president, but they kept him hidden. I mean, even Obama said something like Joe Biden can fuck anything up. I mean, right. everybody knew Biden was a was a dumpster fire. So you just need a new dude that can come in or who knows? It can't be Kamala. I doubt they could run Kamala. You need some new dude that everybody can project, you know, project their hopes and dreams on. And that person will win and not run an actual campaign where they're on the campaign trail. They're giving speeches or talking. They're pressing flesh. You know, they're kissing babies. Um, 
there's no policy positions out there, just vagaries. What do you think of what do you think of that idea, Julie? Yeah, I think that um well what's interesting is Gretchen Whitmer just is talking about how yep. she got a big book deal. So I know that she's one that's waiting in the wings. I think she could raise sure. money pretty quickly. I mean, she's a dumbass. She's a complete moron, but you know, she fits the she fits the suit, as they yep. say, and the Brady bunch. Um so yes. But the thing is how do they get deep. Huh? She could be Newsom's Veep. Oh my God! Can you imagine just the teeth on that ticket alone? I know the teeth and the hair be <laughs> overwhelming. The the cost for the makeup, right? Like they have the makeup people that follow them around, you know, do their makeup before they go on stage on TV. Can you imagine? It would just be so much money. That would be a oh. scandal in and of itself. And they would hate makeup each money. other because they're both just so camera hogs of themselves for no reason. Again. Um, but here's the thing I keep going back to. How do they get Biden out of there? He is not going anywhere. And I, I always told go back you how to they Dr. Do it. Jill. They're, I, I mean, told you how they do it. I told you how they do it. They're going to go after Hunter. They'll yeah. they'll they'll go after Hunter. They'll be like, we're going to bring every we're going to dump every fucking thing we have. And we're going to dump all the shit they have on him, too. Look. We already know Biden was getting money from foreign countries. We know that it was being laundered through through Hunter. They know they've got all the shit. They'll say either you step down or we're going to start putting this out there I mean, and you're going to. Here's my question. And you could be totally right. Who's they? Democrats in Congress? The DOJ, or- the intel community that that, you know, is in bed with the Democrats. The Democrats don't want Joe Biden running. They know he he's a liability. Mm-hmm. They know they know that. So I just have yeah. a hard time seeing Merrick Garland or Lisa Monaco going to Joe Biden and saying, here's what we're going to do. They oh, could. Th- they might. I think they would. And I think Obama would do it, too. Like Obama's Obama would do it. Obama would do it. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah, the guy Obama really running Obama and the Obama crowd are the ones that are really running things. Right. So, I mean, right. You know, Obama has his people and a lot of Biden's people are Obama's people. Biden didn't really have his own people. Like maybe Ron Klain was kind of kind of, but not 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 even. And he's gone. So it's going to be I mean, the Obama machine is going to push out Joe Biden because they 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 know he's too much of a liability to run. And if Obama has a call with Joe and says, you need to get out or I'm going to come out and say, I don't think you should be president. You you think you think Joe's going to stay in? I mean, I know that Dr. Jill is, you know, a control freak and she guards oh, him yeah. and all that shit. You'll have but, to you, they'll have to drag her out kicking and screaming, literally. Yeah, but she's not going to want to be shamed more than she'd rather leave than be shamed and humiliated. So I think that that's going to be the move if it happens that Obama okay. and the Obama and it doesn't have to be Lisa Monaco. You heard America. it here first. I'm not saying you're wrong at all. You're, Look, I'm not saying that at all. You could be totally right. It would be. Monaco and Garland have to keep their hands clean. They're not going to be like dialing one, two, oh, two, you know, to get Joe, Joe Biden, please. You know, they're not. That's not how it's going to go down. There are people that are making things happen that the public doesn't know about and they don't know their names. So that's how it's going to go down. And and it's all part of the Obama machine because, again, they can't run the risk. And I don't think they're going to be successful keeping Trump off the ballot. Like, I don't think that it's going to work to get to, to come up to have some case out that des- that decides, oh, I guess we can't have Donald Trump be the Republican nominee. So there. So then what? There's no Republican. I mean. They I don't think they're going to be successful at doing that, I think. What they're doing is to try and taint him as much as possible and frighten people into voting Democrat just because Trump is so dangerous. And we've already seen we saw that piece that came earlier that week where a bunch of like policy heads and businessmen got together and they were worried about, you know, our democracy, which we we're not a democracy. So, oh, my God, it's so forget that you could see that it that, that they're starting to move in that direction with that. That they they want to keep that narrative going that Trump is so dangerous he can't win. But I don't think legally they're going to be able to keep him off the ballot. So then there has to be then what's the next step? The next step is shenanigans, right? Some crazy shenanigans, 
and or get rid of Biden. So that's really the only move I think available to them. And so I do think the Obama machine is going to tell Joe, get you, you've got to get the fuck out. You got to go, Joe. You got to go, Joe. You, 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 you can, maybe you're sick. Maybe, you know, you've got some health problem, which I'm sure he does, but, and that's how it's going to go. And their convention, they can nominate someone else. And that's what they're, I think that's what is very likely to happen. Wouldn't it be funny if they tried to pull an insurrection at the DNC and they put together like fake elector slates and they tried to bribe people into changing their vote like they're saying people did on January 6th or January 6th? The only problem with that, Julie, is that Democrats are not capable of committing insurrection. Only Republicans. That's right. Insurrectionists. So you're you've got to qualify. That would never happen because if if what you said happened, that would be they would be freedom fighters and defenders of democracy and not insurrectionists, which, again, this country is not a democracy and is not a democracy on purpose. So just because everybody's dumb now and they don't go to school and learn things about the difference between a republic and a democracy, we're still not a fucking democracy, legally speaking. So there's no democracy to defend. And there's a reason for that. It's because democracies are stupid and the masses and the mobs are stupid. We have a representative democracy, a representative republic for a reason. So there's your history lesson for the day. My rant. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Liz. Appreciate that. And speaking of the latest with the surveillance state, news just keeps getting worse and worse. Um, House Judiciary Committee, as you know, Liz, released another letter this week, which, okay, fine. It's helpful. Um, Talking about an agency I didn't even know existed. Um, Let's see. What's it called? Strategic Operations Division of the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FinCEN. Yeah, so, FinCEN is a big, FinCEN is a is big, yeah. That's why they is, track so terrorists. explain what like, that is. Never heard of it. Well, it they look for financial crimes, right? I mean, now that everything is digitized and everything is rec- can be recorded, it's much easier to go through records and find where money's being laundered, who's paying who, who's buying what, things like that. Um, and so that's what FinCEN does. It is it It basically goes after financial financial crimes and because we have so much data on people now again your bank accounts your credit cards it's not even just your bank account which it is some of it but you put something on a you know your amex or a visa that's a record and of course people use zelle now or venmo paypal all that stuff that those those businesses all report to the government um, so now every financial transaction is available for scrutiny and goes into big database. So um, what they can do is say, hey, let's search for anyone who bought from this business or maybe that the business has a word in their name like MAGA or Trump or something like that. Um, and that's what they that's what they did. I'm not sure. Right. So they were working how- with financial institutions. And of course, this is after January 6th. So they were uh, using even generic terms. They said like Trump, MAGA, and then tying them to lone actor, homegrown violent extremism indicators, the purchases mm-hmm. of books, including religious texts like the Bible, subscriptions to other media containing extremist views certainly would be my Substack, I'm sure. Don't subscribe. So they had all of these <laughs> keywords that they were flagging, telling financial institutions to be on the watch for, uh, that they may include dangerous international terrorists, domestic terrorists, homegrown violent extremists, um, to your point, small arms, sporting and recreational goods and supplies, the keywords Kabbalah's and Dick's Sporting Good. Um, so. Yeah. We already know that they've been tracked gun purchases. Bank of America yeah. was doing that for their customers, helping the FBI not just track who is in D.C. the 5th and 6th, but also if they had had a recent history of purchasing a firearm, which is just crazy. Well, they're not supposed to be a database of firearm purchases. That's like that, again, illegal. But the thing I find most curious 
is this transportation charges such as bus tickets, rental cars, or plane tickets for travel to areas with no apparent purpose. I'm sorry, what the fuck business is of yours if I'm going somewhere? I mean, like, who decides what the purpose is, you know? <laughs> that's a, that's insane. This is a typical, typical, um, you know, DOJ shit where they use the vaguest language to give them the broadest authority, right, to go after people. You're, 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 I bought a bus ticket to Detroit. You don't like that? Like, what? What is that suspicious? Who decides what's suspicious? It's very uh, gross. Anyway, well, go we've ahead. Talked about, we've talked about this too, and I've covered this related to January 6th. Reading the affidavits um, or the charging documents, it is shocking to see what the FBI is asking for from Amazon. <clears throat> okay, this person wore, you know, blah, 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 or brought this walking stick or brought this. Pepper spray. Oh, they bought it on Amazon. So they track it all the way back to there. So we know that they've been working with um, big banks, big business, big tech to produce evidence against people. But this is like a whole other level. And this, this is what's frustrating about Republicans. If they had their own J6 committee and something like this was revealed publicly on the national stage in a televised nighttime, even if the big networks didn't pick it up, which you know that they wouldn't have. But instead of just this letter, this would be central to the weaponization of J6 and how it, it, it has, it's not just the DOJ and FBI. It oh, involves no, every entity, yeah. every institution you can imagine. No, that's right. I mean, this is the government has been weaponized um, and we allegedly have uh, investigations into that weaponization. Uh, the Republicans do. Um, I guess this is a product of that. But, you know, now what's going to happen? Now what? You know what I mean? Like what the Democrats would do would would use things like the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, or other agencies to go after the businesses that engaged in this. That's what they would do. I mean, people need to start suing the companies that complied with these illegal requests. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. You're literally going after people for protected political political speech and and for the religious. I mean, what's a real suspicious religious book? What is that? I mean, it, I, I guess it is. It could be the Bible. Um, you right. Know, if can you. Let me just let's just come up with the thought experiment. Let's say it's not the Bible. Let's say it was a government agency wanted these Amazon to comply with their quest. And the book was the Koran. <laughs> well, what I was just going to bring that up. Exactly. Would what would happen if it was the Koran? Seriously. Oh, my God. There'd be uproar on Capitol Hill and everywhere else and the ACLU and, you know, the usual suspects who've been silent since January 6th about trampling of civil liberties absolutely absolutely insane and there's no there's no recourse for this it's like yes thank you for writing this letter jim jordan um and releasing it at least so people some people can know that this happened but unless there are consequences for this behavior i don't know what you know what i like i don't know what how this would stop right i mean what's to stop any of this from continuing nothing nothing so it, it, it's just gonna it's gonna keep going because we've been watching certainly the j6 prosecutions have given a real front front row seat to just exactly how, what the government is doing and how they are going after their political adversaries and it just keeps going it's getting worse and worse it's more blatant and more blatant and until there's consequences it's not going to stop. Um, when what's it's Jordan going to do? What what are the consequences though? I don't even know at the end of the day. I mean, even if Trump wins, well, to your point. I'll tell you what one consequence could be. I could tell you what one consequence could be that the Republicans could do is they could cut the money off of these agencies. Cut the funding. Yes. Cut their money. It's that is. I swear, I'm a broken record. Every okay. podcast, but you, like are say that. That you are this correct. This is the this is the recourse 
that the Constitution gives the House of Representatives. They control the purse strings. This has always been the case. They are always been they've always been able to to oversee, to check and balance the the executive branch by controlling their money. That's it. That's all of the recourse, because, as you know, the DOJ and Intel is part of the executive branch. The legislative branch has control over that, has checks and balances because they control the purse strings. And yet, do we ever see any punitive measures being taken against these agencies for doing things like this? Never, 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 never. Never. No, it's very frustrating. So we'll see what response House Judiciary gets back. I think this is part of weaponization, too, which, by the way, I don't think they've held a meeting since July. Um, Obviously, they have a lot on their plate. The border immigration is the top issue by far, I think, both voters of both parties. So they're dealing with that crisis, ongoing crisis. Um, So um, but to your point, unless you're going to start cutting funding, something, anything, then What's the point? We, we, we complained about this and people complain about this all the time. And yet, for some reason, the pressure isn't applied to these Republicans. They need to start cutting. In fact, you know, Johnson's good. They're going to do a CR. That's a continuing resolution right. to fund the government, I guess, through the beginning of March. Right. What that means is th- that they don't have the opportunity to go through agency by agency, start looking at the budget, start looking at what these agencies have been doing and appropriating according to their, you know, whether they're following their constitutionally mandated uh, purpose or if they're deviating from it. So as as long as there's not that process, there's never going to be they're They're going to pass it when that this is why people are so opposed to getting an omnibus passed, because, again, it's just like thousands of pages of stuff. It's one big bill. It's not going piece by piece and you're not able to do what needs to be done to get these agencies back to harness these agencies back into their lane so this is just the latest of you know we hear it every week on happy hour when we we talk about what the surveillance that's going on and when julie talks about details that she's learned from the j6 prosecutions and the witch hunt that this just out of control, that the government is now just being a, is a weapon of the Democrats to go after their political ad- adversaries. Just terrible. This is really gross. Don't just use cash. This is why they want to get rid of cash. And this is why they want a digital currency, by the way. For sure. Um, right. Which we see that that that's happening everywhere. Yep. That's um, why they that's what they want it. It's everything. Then they can just cut it off. Right. It's not even like like, there's not much they can do if you have a lot of cash, you know, if you have a wallet full of cash. But if you are dependent on an app or a phone or something to make a purchase, like many people are getting habituated now. I mean, so many people use Google Pay or Apple Pay or Samsung Pay or some other way to, you know, they don't even need to carry a wallet anymore. Right. They can just scan their phone at 7-Eleven or McDonald's. They don't need cash. They're gradually getting to a place where. There's just going to be digital currency, and that means that all your digital transactions, what you buy, you know, did you go to 7-Eleven and buy, you know, a, a milkshake or a, some nachos or whatever, whatever, a, yeah, a donut, who knows, but it's there, it's there, so that, that means and that. And also, banks are starting to flag people for taking out big, big amounts of cash. Well, and calling and why are you taking out eight thousand dollars? You know, every couple of weeks, what are you doing with it? Well, I've they heard already this story have because of the, the Patriot Act um, started the monitoring of bank accounts, which is that if you deposit more than ten thousand dollars in cash, you have to fill out forms for that. The gov- the bank has to file forms with the government. Now that may seem like not a big deal, but if you are a store that takes cash. If you're a bodega, if you're like one of these corner shops or you have a cash business, I mean, to be honest, who gives a shit? You know, your cash is cash. Why does the government, why should the government get a report that you've deposited a certain amount of cash? Why? Well, because terrorism, which is what they say for everything. Because, you know, now the terrorists are different now than allegedly they were back in 2002. But that's, they're That's way worse. What? 
They're way worse. Well, mu- they're much more dangerous. I mean, they're MAGA, MAGA extremists. They're they- dark MAGA extremists, too. <laughs> it's not just MAGA, dark MAGA extremists. So this is a terrible story. And I guess it's good that Jim Gordon- Jordan wrote his letter and people da- now know that this is happening. Um, and but, you know, what what are they going to do about it? And why why isn't pressure being applied to the elected officials to do something about it? I don't, I don't know. People just don't care. I guess they're busy scrolling on Instagram or something. I don't know. Yes, for sure. Um, well, there was a little glimmer of hope this week, Liz, when um, four Republican judges on the D.C. appellate court, so that's the circuit court, Court of Appeals for Washington, D.C., issued a 12-page letter just smacking down Jack Smith and their Democratic colleagues in the um, D.C. courthouse <clears throat> for unlawfully obtaining Donald Trump's Twitter data. And, you know, I've written about this extensively. People can go to my Substack. I've written about it since the news really broke that how Jack Smith got it and what he did and what these judges said. And it was authored by Naomi Rao, a Trump appointee, and then three other um Republican appointed judges basically said that Jack Smith skirted the law, the Constitution, the balance of powers, the Presidential Records Act, um, by going to Beryl Howell, who is the chief judge of the D.C. District Court, and um, getting a search warrant from her, not just getting a search warrant to get his Twitter files, but a non-disclosure order, which prevented Twitter from telling Donald Trump, that they had the search warrant on him. So they appealed it, went back and forth. Not only did Judge Howell issue the search warrant, the nondisclosure order, she fined Twitter $350,000 for allegedly delaying complying with the subpoena by like two days. It was such a setup and horrible. Anyway, Twitter appealed, went to a three Democratic judge panel on the D.C. circuit that upheld Judge Howell's um, uh, order. At any rate, usually then you go back to the D.C. Circuit, you act, ask for what's called en banc, which is the full circuit court to hear it, rather than three judges. They denied that, Twitter's request, um, but nonetheless, you know, had some very harsh words for Jack Smith and the courts. And here's what the judges wrote. The special counsel's approach obscured and bypassed any assertion of executive privilege and dodged the careful balance Congress struck in the president. Financial Records Act. The district court and this court permitted this arrangement without any consideration of the consequential executive privilege issues raised by this unprecedented search. We should not have endorsed this gambit. Rather than follow established precedent for the first time in American history, a court allowed access to presidential communications before any scrutiny of executive privilege. And what they went on to say is that, and the judges should have known that any presidential records, communications especially, should automatically be presumed to be privileged and allow the president, former president, uh, to know that the government is trying to get these records or third party or whoever is involved and that he can then assert executive privilege. Now, he would have lost, right, because this is all handled in Washington, D.C., so he's lost every executive privilege battle that he's had in Washington, But the facts still remain that they flagrantly violated that. Jack Smith went to Beryl Howell, Obama appointee. She's overseen, she oversaw the special counsel, Robert Mueller, and then, of course, the first part of Jack Smith's investigation. And just without any hesitation, Liz, forced Twitter to hand this over, prevented the company for 180 days from telling Trump about it, kept this secret, kept it hidden. And then fine them $350,000. Just, you can't even grasp what is happening in that D.C. courthouse, how bad it is. Well, I think that the presidential immunity is very important. Um, And there are other government officers that have qualified immunity that allow them to behave in terrible ways with no consequences like Jack Smith. (laughs) So, I don't know. Find that. Kind of interesting. Yeah. So mention. that was a so, little good news. So where's I mean, that going to go? Right. Where, what do you, where's that going to go? So the problem is 
this is Twitter's appeal, not Donald Trump. And there was some really bad reporting coming out that this was Donald Trump lost his appeal. And now Twitter has to turn over his data. Well, Twitter already did that in March of 2023. And this was not Trump's appeal. It was Twitter's. So the problem now, I'm if Twitter then seeks cert before the Supreme Court (coughs) to review that, it's kind of moot at this point because the government already has his Twitter records. They already implemented the non-disclosure order. That's over. And they already paid the fine. So I'm not sure what standing they have to go to before the Supreme Court. Well, and also, I know I I mentioned this. It takes a long time. I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't going to get fixed soon. It takes a long time to go, you know, to go through the court. So, and I don't know if Trump has any standing, if he can use what these judges wrote for, I don't know, in, in what, where do you go at that point? So, but it, it, at least it was telling and just more confirmation about how lawless and rogue and reckless Jack Smith and these courts are. And interesting also to note that the appellate judge who wrote the decision upholding getting the Twitter data and the non-disclosure and the fine was Florence Pan, last heard bringing up the SEAL Team 6 assassination hypothetical during oral arguments last week and the immunity issue. She's a real gem. These are the idiots who are making permanent decisions about the future of the country. And regardless of what you think about Trump, you should be terrified by by that. These This cast of characters is quite crazy. You know, people have, I I think the average voter is so overwhelmed, either just with their life, that they have no idea what kinds of things go on and what kind of people work at the Department of Justice. (laughs) Um, I think for people who are newly paying attention, let's say since 2020, or maybe just people that started paying attention during Trump's first term when we had the Russia collusion hoax, so many people were just absolutely shocked at what the government, how the government operates. And it had always been kind of something the average person didn't pay attention to. Usually they were going after businesses or what we consider to be real criminals, you know, real criminals, whether it's like mafia type thing, Rico, you know, that price gouging, whatever. And now it's just so insane. It's like a crazy Hollywood movie with these judges. I mean, they're right out of central casting. You can almost predict what they're going to do. I mean, you probably can. Julie, you can probably predict what they're going to say and write. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, I know for sure, as far as the appellate, the three judge panel that heard the immunity in this is whether a president has immunity from criminal prosecution. So this has never been settled by the courts before, certainly never been. Um, settled at the Supreme Court, entirely new issue. But you know that this appellate court panel, two Biden appointees, one George H.W. Bush appointee, you know they're going to come back and uphold Judge Chutkin's ruling that denied Trump immunity from criminal prosecution for January 6th. So you know where this is going. You can only imagine the idiotic um, opinion that someone like Florence Pan is going to come up with. And then, of course, that'll get kicked. You know, they'll ask for the full court again. The full court stacked with Democrats will say no. Then this will head to the Supreme Court. Now, Jack Smith, this is the issue, Liz, that Jack Smith tried to leapfrog over the appellate court and have the Supreme Court decide on the immunity issue right away. And the Supreme Court said no. Go back to the appellate court. So I expect we'll be getting that three-judge panel decision soon because you know that they want to help Jack Smith expedite this, get this to SCOTUS as quickly as possible, and then, um, you know, move forward with the January 6th trial, which I guess we're still supposed to pretend it's going to start on March 4th, but nothing's happening there. That's pretty soon. Yeah. Yes. And again, once something goes to the Supreme Court, that takes months and months. I mean, you know, we have an election in, you know, 10 months and the primary, well, the nominee will be decided, you know, by Super Tuesday. I mean, look, we already know who the nominee is going to be. Um, right. I mean, not formally, but, you know, there's no question about that. So they're they're putting themselves in a really bad position. 
I, I don't, I mean, as far as the public goes, I mean, I don't know how they're going to, I don't know what would happen if they tried to actually get Trump removed as the nominee, just as like a, as a country. You right. know what I mean? We, we we talk about, oh, the cases and then this and is this legal and, you know, all these games that are being played by the DOJ using these laws and regulations in ways they were never intended. OK, but just as a country, as a culture, how are they going to get the Republican nominee taken off the ballot and that not be a real problem for a, a lot of people, like a lot of people, a lot of people? Well, February 9th, the Supreme Court did expedite hearing the Colorado Supreme Court ruling that removed Trump from the ballot or temporarily did. Now he's back on, I think. But they're going to hear those arguments on February 8th. But to your point, Liz, you know this. They can hear the oral arguments, but they won't issue an opinion for a couple of months. Now, maybe in that case, they will quickly come back and say, no, you know, you can't use this. This is not the correct interpretation of the 14th Amendment. So, no, you can't. Um, so they might come back with that quicker. But, again, they also have the 1512C2 obstruction of an official proceeding. Those oral arguments were waiting to see when that's scheduled, March or April. That could have a bigger impact on Jack Smith's indictment against Trump. So there's still all these moving parts. Um, so that's why it was refreshing to read what – and, you know, it's not easy really for these judges. They all work in the same courthouse in Washington to say such harsh things about their colleagues. But my sense is that Beryl Howell is not super popular over there because she's just no. smug, arrogant. Um, I mean, I'm sure the Democrat judges like her, but um, you know, she's, she's just a nasty woman as Donald Trump would say a nasty woman. Yeah. Well, just like so many others that That's long you know, list, except for us, Liz. Yeah, not us. I'm talking about Democrats because we're we're awesome. We love us. But that's we're out of time. I mean, we're almost out of time. I think we're out of time. So are we going to be here next week? Yes, we will. Trying to decide. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think I'm here. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Happy Hour. We will be here next week. You can subscribe on iTunes so you never miss a show. And you can subscribe on Spotify now because we are on Spotify, which is where Joe Rogan is. <laughs> I'm never going to stop that. <laughs> Ever. That's our claim to fame. Ever. Um, so you can go on Spotify. You can rate us and you can subscribe there. So have a wonderful weekend and we will see you back next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.